Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. Welcome everyone. I take it you're all here to hear about the core set and all the other things that we have going on now for you for the card game. Hopefully. So, how many of you have gotten a chance uh-huh. to play the new core set here? Oh, good. That was all the What's wrong with you, man? Nearly all the hands. Awesome. So, I figure it would make sense to start by talking about the talking about the game itself. And what what would you like to share about the the core set here today? It's done. It's done. Yay! <laughs> I'm very happy with that part. Oh, we should introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Mike Sunker. I'm the guy who came up with this nonsense. Um, you guys want to? Sure. Uh, yeah. My name is Chad Brown. I also work with Lone Shark Games. Uh, Keith Richmond. I also work at Lone Shark Games. Linda Zeiss Palmer. I'm a developer. I do the stuff for the newly renamed Pathfinder Adventure Card Society, the story things, and some of the organized play mechanic stuff. I'm Big Words. I manage the line for Paizo. Super. Uh, interrupt for just a second. Are you telling me that Pack Gop is no longer the official? No, we're Pax. <laughs> no, we can go to Pax and play Pax. You can okay. go to Pax and play Pax instead of using the ACG to play the ACG. Right. That's right. But not the other ACG. Yes, right. but not the other ACG. <laughs> right. Not the one with the swashbucklers in exactly. it. Exactly. We, yeah. we traded a confusion for a lesser confusion. More, more confusing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I, I, will, I, I just want to really clear up one thing. In, in reality, no cats were harmed in the making of this. I, I'm <laughs> sorry, rumors from last night. I merely stated a physical possibility. It is still possible, to be clear. Uh, in last night's, uh, Lisa brings up that uh, no cats were harmed in the making of this uh, adventure card game, which, by the way, she doesn't know. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, but, but, uh, what I stated. My cats are all survived. Indeed. Mm-hmm. What I stated last night at the banquet was <coughs> that uh, one giant difference of this set is that now we've gone from a box which is, I think, 16 inches by 14 inches, something like that, some monstrosity box, um, uh, down to, for an adventure path, a much smaller box, which, as I noted, the previous version could, if dropped from a height, kill a cat. Um, now, I was then, importantly, corrected by more than one group of people that the number of cards is still roughly the same in the boxes and that that the size of the box does not change the weight of the box, <laughs> to which I then had to correct them. The box itself also has weight. Right. Yeah, and it has, box yes, it, what it does not have is air. Air would potentially slow down the box, making our current box potentially more cat killing than than the previous box. I, I think my distinction is that the previous box was easier to accidentally kill. That's cat. correct. But That's what I was trying to say. Purposefully. That's know. what I was trying to say was that previously it was an obstacle that could kill a cat. Now it is a weapon that could kill a cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to blame you because James Jacobs is not talking about. That. Juggling flaming puppies. Yes, <laughs> well, yeah. You know, you know, like I'm not the... This whole I would ask how you got there, but I've met James. I, yeah, I was <laughs> not the... De- He's creative I, like that. I was not the developer that brought up that the next adventure path is all 
jugglers, and the crowd went wild. <laughs> but I did take some value from that, and now we will only make jugglers for the Pathfinder Adventure card game. Oh, circus folk. Yeah, circus, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what part did they go wild? They went wild for the juggling. <laughs> um, but, New class deck idea. Sure. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, it's just it's it's not going to be about what your character can do. It's about what you can do with your character. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've talked for a while, I will say that one of the things that is, I like much better about the new core set is that it no longer destroys the shelves upon which the several sets sit. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what... Uh, so we've got... Um, lucky enough, I mean, this is something most, peop- most games, game lines don't get, but... We have entire walls at uh, game stores devoted to this one game line, which is great. But what they tend to be is like all of the game elements just sort of pointed forward, uh, you know, taking up... Sometimes it's the lower wall, which is the smart way to do it, but frequently it's the higher wall. And so simply brushing up against that causes these giant boxes to fall on the heads of whoever's walking by. Um, but now that we have smaller, deadlier boxes, I'm sorry, smaller, more, more approachable boxes, um, we, yeah, we should uh, not see too much of that in the future. That's my hope. Anyway. Should we talk about what's in the box? God, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's why people are here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we are at the end of a um, end of a, a, a very long process. We started, uh, you know, what I've frequently said is that um, the work on the second iteration of a game, whether it's a second edition or just sort of a, a fix-up like this is, uh, happens the day, begins the day the first game is released, right? Because you immediately realize that once it makes contact with the people who are actually going to play it, they play it totally differently like than you thought. And that truly happened to us. Like, I mean, the, the expectation uh, out of the gate for what would happen with the Pathfinder Adventure card game in players' homes was completely wrong on our our end. Um, you know, Chad and uh, Vic and I and, and Gabby, you know, would sit around and say, okay, so we can imagine people playing uh, all of the five scenarios in the B section. That would take about a month. Yeah, we figured you'd play one or two, mm-hmm. but... Sometimes you wouldn't be able to get together, so you'd miss one. It'd right, be fine. Okay. You'd fail a couple times. Yeah, you'd right, fail exactly. A times. So, so, right, so we figured that but that was about a month's worth of content. But maybe a little more than a month. Right? Yeah, and then and, and then trouble. oh right, no, I take it back. I said the right. five B scenarios, but of course there were three. three. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then you know uh, so that the core content in the base game of its eight scenarios, you know, that's like two solid months of play, yeah. and then we could get you know five more scenarios out every two months. And that would be much more than enough to satisfy. Yeah, because if you fail or you had trouble meeting, then you'd fall behind a little bit. But you'd have a little extra time because yeah. you'd have that eight weeks to do the five scenarios. So great. when we released the game at Gen Con 2013, and on Saturday somebody told, came up to me and said, so I'm done, what do I do now? Um, and I said, what do you mean done exactly? Uh, sorry, I apologize. This was uh, Sunday morning. I, because what the person said was, 
Well, I've played all of the scenarios with all of the characters. And again, I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I solo ran the entire game with each of the 11 characters that are available. So I ran 88 scenarios by the end of the Gen Con. Yeah, when, when I asked him that, I'm like, you mean you played 88 scenarios oh, since the game first. came out yeah. two days ago? And he's like, no, I failed several times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not 88. Not 88, more than 88. Um, and uh, that taught us some lessons about how this game was going to be process. So, um, over the years, obviously, we made several significant changes, not the least of which was a complete reboot of the rulebook. But all that time, a fair number of things continued to bother us about the game. And um, so when we went to Paizo and said, to Vic and Lisa and said, I don't know if you want to do this, but we want to reboot the base set as a a core, core object that you can dump adventure paths into uh, and we expected them to say what are you talking about the, we've got a model that works don't mess with it um, but the reality is we were thinking the same thing yeah. mm-hmm. and, the, and I the, remember Mike came in and said you read my mind yeah, awesome. I was just going to tell you we want to do this yeah exactly so it was great I mean that we, we'd all sort of figured out that we wanted to, to reshape the game uh, and well, in that, big, I mean the big thing for me was that we you know, we every time we would, you know, come up with a, a, a base box for an adventure path, we'd have to always repeat the same stuff. Yeah. Potions of curing, yep. long swords, daggers, you sure. know, all these different things that you had to put in because they were the core of wake. What makes something Pathfinder? It's the core of the, the game. So you were already taking, you know, a third to half of the cards, and and, and they were gone from the design portfolio that, that Mike and you guys could use to make the game feel unique. And I remember, you know, when you were doing, like, uh, Mummy's Mask, that was a bigger one because it was, it was very different. It was a lot, you know, it's this whole Egyptian mythos. And you're like, but how do we have to have all these space things in there? But they're not really, don't really, maybe they're not exactly yeah. uh, most mythos, you know, related things. And so, I know it was, it was interesting. And so I think this kind of solved that problem by giving, letting us put the base amount of cards out once and then giving you the ability to just focus on the adventure path stuff and what makes that unique to And I think that's what made it exciting to me. Yeah, I'm very happy with that result. And we, um, we definitely uh, gained a lot in terms of the ability to just sort of show off some simpler cards right away so you weren't overwhelmed with you know, all the things you had to have. Um, in the core set, uh, we have an adventure path which is 10 scenarios long called Dragon's Demand. And, uh, you know, it allowed us to basically do a smorgasbord of, of all the things, but the simplest possible level of that thing. Um, so uh, it definitely gave us the ability to just drill down to what made, a, what made a set of Pathfinder function versus what made a set of Pathfinder great. And we could split those essentially in half and say... All right, so now when any designer sits down to write a, uh, an adventure path, they don't have to worry about all the, the stuff that makes the game run. Just make great every time. And I think that's going to be really good going forward. Also, knowing that we were going to have a core set and then expand on it, it let us focus on building new and interesting things in the core set, knowing that we get to use them everywhere. So the, the original Rise of the Rune Lord set 
you had a longsword because it's Pathfinder. But you got multiple people, people who want longswords, so it actually had three longswords. I think the fourth if you played the character add-on. Right. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. Core set, because we're using it in all the sets, can focus on more unique and interesting cards for every level. So more unique, interesting starting cards, and, and then as you go up, you're still getting more interesting stuff. So, same number of cards, or a little bit more? Um, a little bit more than Rune Lord. Collectively, right? it's pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. But individual cards, way more now. Yeah, but a lot more unique yeah. cards, especially yeah. because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, the only cards that are repeated in the box are some of the blessings, not yeah. even all of the blessings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every other card appears no more than once. Yeah. We also got um, something we were able to do for the first time, which is use cards to generate scenarios rather than just give you scenarios that we'd already thought of. And now now we have cards that give you, you know, random encounters and, and scenarios that do all sorts of weird things uh, Based on what combinations of cards you dis- you personally decide to use them with, um, then and that process hopefully will be repeated at every adventure path that we make. Um, and then the biggest change, maybe, is the abandonment of scenario adventure and adventure path cards in favor of just a ridiculous amount of words. <laughs> uh, not like Jason Bullman level ridiculous amount of words, but. More words. Uh, so now we have storybooks that are, um, you know, deriv- derived from the things that Linda and, and Keith have been making for the organized play environment. We took all that stuff. We thought it was great. So now it's the core of our game. And it's one of the real times when uh, discovering what people like about the game is done through an organized play system. Uh you can't get it from play t- organized playtests because playtests are by their nature sort of artificial. But you give organized play people a chance to <laughs> dive into your game, they'll tell you what's good about it. And, uh, and they loved the fact that we could tell really rich stories. And yet, you know, when we were making a set like Mummy's Mask, which might be one of the best story paths Paizo has ever made, we can only tell you tiny bits of it, right? Because we didn't have any space to write. And now we got it, so we can tell you a real real story. So this this is scenario A1 of Curse of the Crimson Throne. It's two-page spread. It's got art you can actually see. It's got charts, which our cards always had anyway. And it's got, if I counted correctly, 14 paragraphs. Um, if we'd had to put it on a card like we did in Rise of the Rune Lords, you would see about this much text. That's right. And while we became fairly adept, I hope, at telling the story in that much text... This much text is a much better way to tell the story. And you'll see when you see the adventures for the Adventure Card Society as well that we've moved to... We have this same general length, if not a little bit more, but we're now using this sort of this sort of storybook format as well, so you'll see that consistency. Uh, speaking of text, though, is, um, is that going to replace all the location text on cards? Like, no. Um, no. Locations are locations are pretty much unchanged, with one major exception, which is that they no longer flip over. Yeah, because like, usually when we played the uh, like Mummy's Mask, Wrath of Righteous, we'd always like to read the text in the back of the card, like crypt. Yeah, they don't have flavor text anymore. Yeah, um, so the more of the specific flavor, if you don't mind. Yeah, so the, the locations are a little more general, so we can use them in multiple places because you want to use the core set in all the places. 
And, and the way we specify it, the way we put it in the story is in the storybook, we'll say, mm -hmm. all right, so the cell in this case is you know, this particular prison, it's in the tower, there's mm -hmm. a wizard in it, there's some goblins guarding it, and so we can make it special to that story without having to make you know, in the next set a slightly different cell which has a slightly different piece of art, but it's mostly the same functionality. We can just specify it and customize it to each story in the storybook. Mm -hmm. And then if we want to add a special power, we just do that directly in the scenario. So if the cell in this case is filled with goblins and every time you explore there you find a goblin, the storybook just tells you that. But we don't have to have a cell that does that and a cell that doesn't do that and a cell that does that for kobolds, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, oh. um, well, I was just going to bring up, um, when you were mentioning that the, you don't have lots of copies of the various cards, one of the, the changes that I like in here is the addition of the generic proxy cards that can be used to stand in for pretty much anything. We, um, so years ago when we were first laying this out, uh, we originally had that in the game. That was that existed in version one of the game. Um, and then I came in and said, we, we originally had a 55 card adventure for the game. Um, and I was just like, I can't make these, I can't make it work. I can't make these stories work. I can't fit everything I need to fit in here. We've got to go to 110 cards. And at that point, Vic realized, well, that's great. We can now put in more henchmen so you don't have to use these dumb proxy cards, right? I swear to God. And I went, yep, okay. And I guess that's what we're doing. And then years later, we realized, wow, how many copies of henchmen have we made? Like, there was one point, was it Mummies or Wrath, that the henchmen didn't fit? Wrath. 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 Yeah. yeah, they didn't actually fit in the box. Like, like literally, if you put mm -hmm. them all in the box, it's no worky. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we're like, this this can't stand. So we actually like have now we went we we went to 180 <laughs> degrees and we've gone 180 degrees back. Um. So, uh, yeah, they. I mean, we played a game earlier today with those proxies, and I, I swear, I didn't even. Like, it isn't even in my head anymore that they're proxies. I just know where to look. And, oh, look, here's the text for the thug. It's right here in front of me. Look at that. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm ever going to miss that. Yeah. If you'd played uh, organized play basically at all, uh, we'd been using proxies for a while, except we were kind of forced to use existing henchmen. Uh, so this mm -hmm. is a vast improvement for organized play. Yeah, it could definitely be confusing when you're going through and you're like, oh, it's the oh, it's the pirate. No, wait, when I see the pirate, it's not the pirate. It's actually this person right. instead. Yeah. So just being able to see right. proxy that right. signals you, okay, now I'm going to look at the adventure and this is going to tell me what I need to look I, at. I don't think I've played an organized play scenario in, in several seasons where they didn't flip over a henchman or villain and say, but wait... Mm -hmm. It's actually this printing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 We uh, we can get away from that, and we can even do things like make those proxies your character. Um, we can shuffle that into the deck and say instead of uh, the the thing I am most excited about leaving the game actually is the token card, which wasn't a token. It was a card, but I don't think of that <laughs> word as token. I think of that token as a pawn. Well, now we have pawns. Right, so pawns represent your character, but we can't shuffle a pawn into a deck. That's not going to work. So now you just grab a proxy and put that in. And he knows because we tried. Yeah, <laughs> we did experiment with yep. that. 
It's really bad. No, I remember. It was really bad, Chad. Sixty percent works. It was really bad. It wasn't my idea. It was still bad. It was still bad. Honestly, it was it was not ideal shuffling the proxy either because it had a totally. I sorry, the a token card because it had different backs, and you're like, I'm pretty sure it's two down. Yeah, exactly. Don't saved it or you didn't. Yeah. So one of the other things I really like about the new approach, the high level approach with Corset and Adventure Path, is the Afghanistan. Principle, which I totally always like. Uh, yeah. Do you guys know what that is? The Afghanistan principle was a, a term I uh, created to define the r- rule that no expansion could ever require the existence of another expansion to be played. Uh, corset, whatever it was, could uh, could not require an expansion at all. It's not allowed to do that, and the expansions had to be independent in their use with the corset and nothing else. This is uh, particularly, uh, it's a, it, it got its name not because I thought, oh, this is a clever name uh, that I can use geography and maybe teach them. No, it was literally about our sending of sets to Afghanistan. We, um, we had a big ship out of a bunch of games and discovered that people in Afghanistan didn't have a game store for you know 500 miles in any direction and uh, could not get set three if they only had set two and set four. And so we just stopped doing that. We stopped making it possible for them to have to need those things. Well, now it's all in one box, so... That doesn't kill any cats. It doesn't kill any cats. (laughs) So we don't have to worry about that so much. We can just say, uh, it's all there, you're not accessing it all at once now, but, but yeah. Yeah. So in, in mm-hmm. a previous set, like say you were sailing around and you might need a pirate in Adventure Deck 2 and a pirate in Adventure Deck 3, well you got two pirates. That's right. Because we couldn't count on you having the Adventure Deck 2 pirate in Adventure Deck 3. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, oh, well the core set will have what it needs, the Adventure deck, uh, adventure Path set will have what it needs, and we're just good. Mm-hmm. Um, we also leverage uh, just the concept of veteran and, and scaling difficulties and uh, much more in, in Quarinkers. So that you don't necessarily need three almost identical pirates uh, just because you're at different levels. And when you're talking about scaling difficulties, the cards themselves aren't the only things that have scaling difficulties. Mm-hmm. You also have the options to play harder, harder modes. How did you sort of go about that process of deciding how that scaling? We played Pathfinder Adventures. <laughs> it's just dead, dead simple. The Obsidian made this decision for us. They uh, when they they put out this uh, beautiful game and realized that it takes a lot of work to program content uh, and, and to animate it, and they didn't want to do it again to make a separate adventure path for Rise of the Rune Lords. So instead they just said, what if we put out these uh, little things called wild cards that just make things just worse? Would people <laughs> like that? And they were like, yeah, I want to play it again, and I want it to be worse. And so they say, okay, well, great, now you've played that would you like it to be even more worse? <laughs> and they said, yes, that would be fantastic. Um, so they called those normal, heroic, and legendary. I always try to say normal, hard, and legendary. It's not right. Uh, and, and nightmare. Oh, and nightmare. We didn't mm-hmm. do nightmare. I don't, I don't know if they said nightmare. I just assumed nightmare because of Oh, because yeah. it's Diablo? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this whole game is based on Diablo. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, like, we actually had all those ideas before yeah, uh, yeah. Obsidian yeah. did it. We just didn't have the names for them. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so once they did it, it sort of gave us permission to uh, put it on the game. It's no more work for us. We, you know, we, we just gave you three times the content for like a, a 20th of the effort. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I think it's fun. I, I um, I've definitely heard people now who've played. I mean, the game just came out like twenty five minutes ago, but but <laughs> I've met people now who've played uh, on heroic difficulty. And they've committed to not playing on legendary difficulty. Sure, because <laughs> <laughs> heroic is bad enough. We did have some playtesters who were our playtesters are very familiar with the game. And we're like, well, we have the ability to increase the difficulty. And they're like, sure, give us all of that. And I said, I'm going to give you all of that, and then let you change your mind in five minutes. It didn't take five minutes. No, <laughs> but it is fun to play on legendary. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It is fun to play on legendary because. Uh, you just completely divorce yourself from the outcome. Like, you just go, if this guy survives, it's fantastic. You don't even think about, do I, you know, do I, uh, well, I hope my deck gets uh, more expanded, and I, I hope I, uh, you just go, if I live, it's great. And, uh, and so, you know, I mean, that's good for some people. Mm-hmm. Some people will never do it. Um, yeah, we, we've definitely tested, uh, you know, folks going through entirely on Heroic, and I think actually a lot of the, the people that I game with, Heroic is the right to it's the right as a, like, default. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, I, I do not have a test group that has gone entirely through on Legendary without a TPK, so that is the challenge that I'd set oh, for yeah. you guys. Yeah, let's let put that, me know. Put that on the forum. <laughs> let's know? put that on the forum. Let's see, um, if, let's see if we can get a group that says, that tells us and can document it because they'll be lying uh, <laughs> that they got through got through on legendary. I want to yeah. see that. I mean, obviously, a, a scenario is fine, but I mean, no, yeah, mm-hmm. and not dragons to man. <laughs> or not. I don't they, think anybody's done dragons to man. Yeah, yeah, no, they, I don't think so either. Yeah. The, the, the dragon is no joke at the end on legendary. The, that would Chad, be fun. Chad, what was that? Chad, oh, yeah, yeah. There's okay. no certainty there's a dragon in Dragon's Demand. <laughs> That's the whole plot of the thing is, I don't know, could it possibly be a dragon? But wait, the dragon's dead. How could it be the dragon? That's the whole thing. Like, you just gave away the ending, man. But what about the cover of the box set? Look, look. <laughs> it's a secret. Secret dragon. I mean, it's not even a dragon. We don't know it's a dragon. <laughs> it may or may not be a dragon. It may or may not be demanding things. Yeah. Chad didn't say whether it was an illusionary or something. Yeah, like it could be any kind of thing. Things happen. Yeah. I said we played the second scenario and it was really hard. We lost. Yeah, we, of course, it was because Vic forgot to pick a villain in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. I've done that a few times. <laughs> Mike and I have that's, done that. That's Keep legendary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the villain? Yeah, We've explored all the cards. That's nightmare. It's hiding right. in the blessings deck. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk about Curse of the Crimson Throne. Which is the second set for the Pathfinder Adventure card game, as evidenced by my. Um, uh, I went back and looked. I wrote out a plan for uh, <laughs> the, the uh, adventure card game, and I was like, first set, Rise of the Rune Lord, second set, Curse of the Crimson Throne, and we just went from there. And then none of that ever, none of that ever happened. So uh, we brought on Keith. I thought the third set was going to be Kingmaker, right? It sure was, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then, so no, no, no. Third set. Uh, first thing we we're going to do, um, if I remember correctly, maybe I don't remember the exact order, but I believe that we thought Kingmaker was going to be fourth yeah. because, oh, because Reign of Winter was going to be third, right. and I said we are never doing Reign of Winter, and everybody looked at me like. <clears throat> I had like uh, pushed over their, you know, uh, kid sister. Their box onto a cat. Or, or, yes, yeah. so I was trying to think of a different. I, for, for those traumatized by that, I was trying to think of a different metaphor. Uh, so uh, I said, "We're never doing Raid in Winter," and people were like, "Why? It's so good. It's one of our most popular adventure paths." I said, "Well, I can't tell you why if you haven't played it." So 
But if you have played it, then you know we cannot do Adventure 5 of... of Five. Five. Yeah, five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of Reign of Winter using the same box. It just mm-hmm. can't be done. And we certainly can't send you to Adventure 6 after you've gone through 5. Can't be done. Mm-hmm. But. I think we could now. Maybe we can now. Like, I think maybe the corset can handle that. And so, uh, so Reign of Winter is back on the table after years of me saying it will never be produced for Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. It's now potentially open. I have no idea if it will happen, but uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, so what you've learned about my predictive plans is um, never, never listen to me. <laughs> Those notes that I made in 2014 still helped me when I worked on Curse. That's right. That's, That's good. Right. They just had a really long gap. They just aged a little. They <laughs> aged a little. So let's talk about Curse. Um, uh, so in so help me out here. 2007. I made the Hero deck. So it was eight. Seven's when Rune Lords came out, and that went through to August of eight. So it yeah, so eight, two thousand eight. Um, so yeah, so so um, uh, that was one of my favorite things I've ever worked on. Um, Wes Schneider came by and said, uh, "Do you know how to write a Hero deck or Tarot deck?" And I said, "Yes, I do," even though I did not. Uh, so, by the way, always do that. Uh, if, if you want to do a thing and you don't know how to do it, the right thing is to say that you do. And so I, uh, I tried to figure out how to make it, uh, and it turned out to be one of the coolest things, mostly because um, there were no, no one in the room was assigned the task of saying, no, that, that idea doesn't work. We didn't bring anybody with that job. Uh, so, if, okay, uh, this thing is some sort of uh, bug monster, but, um, you know, uh, she seems to have a teacup. Great, do it, print it. And so... Uh, Shall we give you the art, you the art first? No, uh, uh, what happened was that um, Kyle Stanley Hunter and I and Wes Schneider and James Sutter were allowed to talk to each other. And uh, That's yep, and so we just went card by card riffing uh, on every concept. Kyle would, you know, who's an insane madman, um, would come in, you know, would would come back with, I think I get what you're saying, but and then he would just sketch out this crazy nonsense. Um, and I would, you know, I don't have his talent, but I would come over and I would say, uh, put a pear on the end of that unicorn's horn. And no one said, why is that, Mike? Because why would you question something like that? It just <laughs> obviously there's a pair on the end of the unicorn's horn. And uh, so, no, we, we did that in a day. A single day of, it was a long day, but uh, I believe I, I can tell you uh, roughly what it was because we had a large amount of Jones soda that day. <laughs> so there was still the leftovers oh, from one of the Paizo Jones soda parties. I don't know how much leftover it was, but but we just fueled ourselves on sugar and made the hero deck. Um, but uh, and it was one of my favorite things we've ever done. So I said I would love to see this as the mechanic for the second set of Pathfinder, intending to replace the Blessings deck entirely with a brand new mechanic, and my team was like, no, we're not doing that. Whatever it was you had in mind, we are not replacing the central mechanic of the game that we just spent a year trying to get right with your crazy new dumb thing. And uh, 
And that turned out to be a very good decision. <laughs> Disclaimer, he says that. I actually still tried to convince him. Yeah. I thought it'd be awesome. Yeah. I had I had allies, but not enough. Uh, and so uh, Chad and Gabby and, and Paul were just like, no, 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 no. So, uh, uh, but now we have it. And so now there's a full hero deck in the uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne. Uh, Keith, you want to talk about the story at all? Uh, sure. Uh, so it turns out that there's a curse on a throne. Uh, and <laughs> Again, spoilers! No, um, no it, it's actually a, a really neat thing. Uh, one of the things I like about uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne, since I've, I've run it a few times in the RPG form, is that uh, you basically show up in this city and you've got a reason to go after a criminal, and you're like, oh, sure, we all got brought together. Uh, and then you just you kind of keep building on that, and you're like, oh, I really like this city, because I like that person, and I like that person, and oh, I'm going to... Uh, attempt to get in the good graces of the queen because she looks awesome, and uh, you know things get a little weird from there. You know plagues and curses and assassins and honestly more horrible things. Um, pigs, pigs. pigs. Uh, pigs. No, yeah. I mean the pigs are not horrible things. No, horrible things happen to pigs. That is very true. <laughs> um, Once again, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll just say we talked about proxies earlier. We have an entire scenario in which proxies are pigs, and it's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Yes, I, uh, when I ran that, I, I was like Orwell and, and Orson and the rest of them. But you know, that's that's neither here nor there. And I'm sure some you of you named your pigs. Oh, I had to. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't do that. Well, so, so you know, save them. You won't really feel the. I never save any pigs of in that scenario. Yeah. In blood pig. Yeah. Well, and this at this point, I was living on the east coast, and they were on the west coast. Yes. So we, we were playing online. So I they got to see an image of a pig yep. with a name on it, and yep. then they got to feel bad as it got thrown into Wolverines. Yep. <laughs> I mean, not that that... Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Completely yeah. text-based um, effects. Um, but yeah, no, I, I actually... Uh, I'm a big fan of it from the RPG standpoint, and uh, also from the card game standpoint, um, you kind of go through and you, you make a lot of friends. Uh, we have uh, this new mechanic, uh, a base, where it's, it's basically the idea is, you know, whenever you need to, you go back to town and you say... Hey, our friend died, and we need someone to fix that, uh, which is a very standard RPG trope, but is not really a thing we've had on the, the card game until now. Uh, and you say, well, it's a really good thing that we helped out uh, this nice fellow named Thousand Bones uh, rescue his grandfather, grandson's remains, uh, because now he's actually going to help us out and raise that person. Great. Uh, and you, you do this with all sorts of people, uh, and you, you kind of keep tapping into it. So you feel, I think, a lot more attached to the fact that I did this thing and saved that guy and uh, you know they each have uh, kind of an option to, to improve them individually so you kind of pick your favorites um, because that is a thing that absolutely happens whenever anyone plays any uh, uh, role playing game mm -hmm. um, are, and you, are you implying that Field Marshal uh, Field Marshal Cressida Croft isn't the best? Because uh, I will fight you so, 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 so Chad feels that, that Field Marshal uh, Cressida Croft is the best because uh, essentially they, they had a very platonic uh, I think desire to not be platonic. Sure, um, but I, I, I'm sure. Let me he, tell you about my character. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, his character, uh, the very well-known Bunny Man. Uh, yeah. I believe you had another name. Yeah. I actually don't remember it. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a, as we mentioned, the Harrow deck. Uh, one of the cards is the Rabbit Prince, uh, and uh, as soon as Chad's character drew the Rabbit Prince, he was dubbed the Bunny Man by uh, Tannis, uh, who, who played a character very much like uh, Amiri. Um, and uh, at no time, even five harrows later, uh, did you ever not be the bunny man? Pretty and, much. <laughs> and 
for months after we stopped playing? Let's say, and then months later, sure. Sure. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, not, that we, not that we, by the way, put a promo card into the uh, the promo set for Curse that is the real rabbit prince, which we dedicated to Chad as the Bunny Man. I mean, it's not <laughs> like it's stuck around for another decade after no, that. Really. So now that now that we've sort of gotten over into this, tell me about your character portion of the panel. Yes, I figure sure. it's a good time for me to switch over and start talking about the Adventure Card Society. I love that. Okay. So, um, so the Pathfinder Adventure Card Society. First of all, new name. It's no longer underneath the the Pathfinder Society Role Playing Guild Pathfinder Society Adventure Card Guild branding. This change is for a few reasons. Uh, one of them is to really bring the the Adventure Card Society to a greater prominence, to sort of put it at the top level, to give it more more attention and highlights. Another one is, uh, and I talked about this a little bit at the very beginning here, is the uh, sort of the confusion between you're going to use the ACG, not the Advanced Class Guide, mind you, to play the ACG with the ACG, and so the, the acronym would get pretty confusing. So... So with this, it's, it's, it'll be clearer, it'll be cleaner, and it'll be easier to give it more attention. So um, at the banquet last night, if you were there, uh, you may have already heard that we are doing the Year of Rotting Ruin. And it's got this nice, ominous tower art for it. So the Year of Rotting Ruin really picks up um, partway through the Tyrant's Grasp adventure path. There is a moment where the PCs go off and do their own thing, and there's sort of this side mention of... And there's really bad things happening in Last Wall and some heroic pathfinders deal with it. So that was a really good opportunity to go in and say, okay, what's actually happening here? You've got all of this undead-themed catastrophe that's going on that you'll see if you, uh, if you play Tyrant's Grasp or if you're going to be around for the interactive special tonight, you'll see some of that going on. So the PCs are, the PCs in the beginning are sort of, you know, they're just, hanging around and things start to go bad and they're the big heroes that uh that the, the the venture captains are away they're the big heroes that step up and say okay things have gone seriously wrong we need to the whispering tyrant is free we need to deal with this now like there's there's undead coming in there's refugees we need to help so so this adventure um it's sort of dealing with uh, there's a lot of dealing with undead but um this adventure uses both the the corset and the um, the Curse of the Crimson Throne set for the main season. So you'll also see um, some of the some of the enemies from Curse of the Crimson Sp- Throne, and I'm not going to spoil it now. But some uh, so some interesting groups or organizations that maybe in that adventure path might be appearing in in this adventure as well. There's uh, there's undead bashing. There's a bit of political intrigue. There's all sorts of stuff that's going on in this plot, and I'm very excited for for that. That's going to be sort of the main storyline of season six. It's broken up into six adventures, like usual, but each of those adventures is each of those adventures is shorter. They're four scenarios long instead of five or six. So with that extra space in the schedule, we're looking at sort of the idea, the feedback that we've received that. If you're if you're taking an adventure path that goes from you know from tier one to tier six, it's not always welcoming for people who come in later on and they haven't sort of had that experience. They're joining a, an existing group and they kind of have to just jump in. So we're looking to have two more adventures that are standalone adventures. We had our first standalone adventure starting here, the uh, the Fang with Thieves, which uses just the core set. Technically, still part of season five, but uh, the first two scenarios in that you can you can play here. 
Um, the other two will be coming out very shortly. But we're also looking at two additional standalone adventures that will be coming out over the course of the now until Gen Con 2020 period. Which, uh, and one of the things I was excited about with these is I was I was talking to I was talking to these folks, and it was like, hey. Could we possibly have adventures that are available for multiple tiers of play? And then they tell me, oh, yeah, well, this veteran thing's a, better, a bigger mechanic, and it's going to be a lot easier to create these scaling adventures. So that way you can have something that's like, okay, you know what, this is an adventure you can play at Tier 1, this is an adventure you can play at Tier 2, and there's a lot more flexibility there. Another thing that's going to help add to the flexibility is the sort of speed of leveling up. So if you've had a chance to take a look at the core set, um, there is this new mechanic, Hero Points, which you can use to gain, which you can use to gain your feats, your, you know, your skill feats and your card feats and your power feats. And in the Pathfinder Adventure Card Society, you can choose to, you can choose to sort of go up to the next tier after three scenarios if you've got all your feats sorted out, or you can choose to wait until six. So, or anywhere in between. So really, you have a lot more flexibility if you're playing with a group. Someone missed a session, they can still catch up with you. And that was, that was really a goal with, uh, with setting sort of that flexible, that flexible leveling speed. We also are going to be supporting the, uh, the different difficulty modes. Um, and this is handled in a similar way to in the role-playing game with hard mode, where there is a greater challenge that you can play, but only if everyone at the table is on board with it. We don't want anyone to be pressured into it, but if you, if you gather a group and you're really looking to provide an additional challenge for them, that is going to be supported through the, through the card game play. Um, another thing we've been talking about uh, is, um, is sanctioning, and I think I will turn it over to Keith to talk about how that's been going. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I have a document uh, that covers both uh, Dragon's Demand and Curse of Crimson Throne uh, that basically just outlines some very minor uh, rules changes and, and actually mostly uh, rewards changes uh, because um, organized play has a, an assumption that every scenario you get a hero point. Uh, and so any scenarios that only gave a hero point I needed to replace with something else. Uh, but that is actually uh, done from my perspective. I just need uh, basically some other people at this table to, to you know, vet it, um, which I, I mentioned to Chad yesterday. But, mm -hmm. you know, it turns out we've been distracted by... <laughs> this little convention that we're all at. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, that is actually... Uh, uh, ready, and I imagine could go up uh, very soon after uh, Paizo Awesome. So we'll see course. sanctioning coming out soon, meaning that you'll be able to play the adventures from the core set and Curse of the Crimson Throne and receive credit for your society characters. And that'll give you more content to get started off with. Mm -hmm. Oh, Tanya. Tanya, ha Tanya has the symbol to show off. Here we have Year of Rotting Ruin. Does it have, a little, does it have the O? No, oh, the tower. Yes. No, the tower, yeah. Okay. And uh, for those of you listening who aren't here with us, the symbol will be appearing shortly on our blogs, on paizo.com. <laughs> and we'll also have uh, an update of the guide that is going to be coming out very soon, which is going to have, which is going to have all that information in it. Um, somebody outside is revving their engine, but all right. Um, that's going to be coming out very soon. I believe that there may be a copy or two of that floating around here as well. So you'll be able to you'll be able to download that on very soon on paizo.com and that um, and that has had a little bit of a little bit of reorganization to it. It has um, an updated chronicle sheet. So instead of 
the chronicle sheets that say the name of the adventure that you're playing at the top, we're going with a standard chronicle sheet that's that has all the information that you need but doesn't have that pre-printed to cut down on the amount of printing that organizers need to do when they're running the game. It's just, this is the chronicle, here you go. Um, is there anything else about the uh, about the process that... Well, we have... Um, I was going to say, Vic, maybe you might want to talk about the free RPG day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll get that. We absolutely should talk about that. I just want to cap on what Linda's saying, though, before we do that. Um, the um, uh, we're also looking at ways to integrate the core set and Curse of the Crimson Throne into organized play a little better, uh, as we know that people uh, have, you know, they have for right now. They have to uh, use the class decks and things like that and we want them to continue doing that because there's awesome stuff in those things and we want them to continue to play with those but we want we want to make sure that uh, people who want to play essentially core only or core curse only we're going to give them we're going to work on ways to give them that ability uh, in the future too uh, so just in general we want to make this transition which is always rough no matter how you do it uh, just feel a lot more seamless uh, and PaizoCon was our start of that, and we're getting going to take the feedback that we get here and try to have it all cleaned up by the time we walk into Gen Con. Mm -hmm. um, so Lisa mentioned uh, a product that we have coming out. Vic, do you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. So this year's free RPG Day uh, thing, we've always done Goblin promo cards in the past, but we are no longer limited to just cards since we have storybooks. So we decided to do a storybook. And to show you um, sort of how flexible we can be on that, we decided to adapt the very same module that is coming up for free RPG day on the RPG side, which is called We Be Heroes. And it features question mark. Uh, We Be Heroes? Mm -hmm. No, ours doesn't have a question mark. <laughs> ours are, look, the, in an RPG, <laughs> you can bring whatever you want to the table. You can bring moral ambiguity and stuff like that. These are heroes. This is an adventure card game. They're going to be heroes. So we dropped that. We dropped that uh, uh, question mark like a lead balloon. We did not drop the question. Mark. Oh damn it! <laughs> 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 nice story. There's still a few questions about whether or not these goblins are heroic or <laughs> or just heroes. Mike's version is going to have to scribble that. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. So uh, free RPG day is like June 15th. Yeah. Uh, no, it's 13th. 13th. Uh, Whatever, some team. Some team. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a participating store, they will have tons of copies of this thing um, available for free. And if you can't make it to one of those, we'll have it for sale on Paizo.com on July 1st. It'll be Probably a PDF download. And a free PDF. A free PDF where you can buy our printed version for three bucks. Um, and it just gives you a couple. Uh, scenarios, which are wacky it's, as it's hell. Nominally, two scenarios, but yeah. one of them has one of them gets parts. yeah, one of them gets really it's kind of weird. Tough. Yeah, it, just just play it. it yeah. We can't really explain it to you because it's goblins, but it's, it is related to the question mark, which Mike would like to ignore. Yeah, <laughs> and even though we are not giving you cards, we're giving you cards because yeah. there's four goblin promo characters in the set plus a cohort, plus a cohort. Um, the, and they're just because we have 
you know, proxies and things, we can we can put things in books that we don't have to print in card form. Right. Anytime we, we want to do a thing like a character or a story bane, which we know is going to sit on the table, we can now just ha have it at the back, and you can literally just cut it out and put it on the table. And it functions just the way your character card would, uh, or your story bane card would. And we actually printed the, the module so that if you want to, you can cut out the characters right. and play them. So that's... See? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm right about things. Sometimes, <laughs> as evidence in this panel, I'm right, wrong about everything. Um, These characters do not yet have roll cards, but they, they will. will. They will. And you will, will be able to play them in organized play with the, as usual, one of the two goblin decks for each of the four goblin characters. Mm -hmm. they, they also all have uh, an actual class, so you could technically use a normal That's class correct. deck. But, yeah, yes. but you're a goblin, so I don't encourage that. Yeah. <laughs> you could use a cleric deck if you like. Yeah, these, the heroic goblins have normal classes. Yeah. That's how you can tell they're heroes. Again, <laughs> no need for a question mark. Um, Actually, we put class cleric? <laughs> we did not. <laughs> we did not <laughs> do that. <laughs> it was that way in at least one spreadsheet. We I did I don't know not what do that. <laughs> but we, we could add question marks to your copy. You can add as many things you want to my copy. How, how do you feel about cohort wolf question mark? That I, that I completely accept. <laughs> okay yeah, that? I completely accept that that wolf is a wolf. Uh, <laughs> totally, totally agree. It's a, it's Mitzi? a Mitzi. Mm -hmm. Mitzi is not a poodle. Definitely that not. That would scare the other goblins. It's a wolf, which doesn't. I don't understand goblins sometimes. <laughs> um, no, it scares them. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Um, uh, I think that's everything that we have in mm -hmm. the pipe right now. I mean, we're we're batting around lots of other ideas, but we decided not to lock down anything because we wanted to see people's reaction to the corset and Curse of the Crimson Throne and make sure we're doing it right. And so uh, we have a lot of theories as to what might happen next, but none of them are in stone, and we, uh, we uh, are just sort of taking a light break to, to play with people out at conventions. I know I'll be at Origins, uh, and I, you know, usually when I'm at Origins, I try to stop in for one or two play sessions with folks, usually without a ticket, because I'm the worst. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I know. Nor do I bring a Chronicle sheet. <laughs> or, Tanya's throwing or, shade. Or a deck. For the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't do this to her. I, look, I'm just happy to be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, so that's coming up in Columbus. Uh, is that... Free RPG day? It is. It is. Yeah. Same day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And Origins is also going to be when the second two scenarios of Fang with Thieves awesome. will be premiering. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a fun Origins. Uh, and uh, then after... after convention, Gen Con... Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of stuff that sure we've played. Like a year from now, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we Just keep lot, telling yourself that, man. We have a lot to get right for Gen Con. <laughs> we're going to get it right. So, uh, But especially on the organized play front where we're going to, uh, well, you want to talk about what, are we, you want to talk about what's happening with the guide? Well, I've talked about that. I've talked about that a little bit here where we had the update and some of the updates right. to the policies in terms of the support for, in terms of the support for the higher difficulties and things like that. Um, we're going to be we're going to be looking to do sort of a sort of a gradual transition to the yeah. to the corset rules. So 
with uh, with past guide updates, they've said, hey, as soon as this comes out, use the next book. We recognize that there are some more significant changes in the core set. So in general, you'll be looking to uh, you'll be looking to have a few months, at least until Gen Con, to sort of make that transition for your ongoing games. And these fine folks are going to be working on sort of the, the details of what are those cards and what are those things that are going to need to have tweaks to work better with the with the revision as well. Yeah, we'll have some updates on that this coming week. Um, we. Uh, we recognize that the last thing we want is people to feel like we're forcing them to play in a manner that doesn't feel right to them. So if somebody wants to play Mummy's Mask with Mummy's Mask rules, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is some significant improvement in the game with what we've done with Corset. And so to the ability that we have <coughs> to take those old adventure paths and make sure... Sh- uh, organized play adventure paths and make them function in the new environment we're going to do that and where it doesn't function we're just going to try to figure it out mm-hmm. you know we know that there's going to be transitional elements that just don't work from from the old ops to now or the ap's to now and uh we're just going to find all the you know the great thing we have is a, a great group of people on the forums who will tell us in great detail what we have done wrong <laughs> and uh, and that's great because we can then turn around and say, okay, here's a patch for that. Try to make that work. Did it work? Great. Now it's rules. Um, and so you know, it's just a process of getting it right as we as we go through this mm-hmm. strange change that we've inflicted upon ourselves. Which is to say, we welcome your feedback. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Get feedback. Is a good time for questions. Just yeah. Anybody? Yeah. We have just a couple minutes left. So What's up? Given the the changes that you made and that you now have the power of the book to tell a story, do you anticipate in the future having an adventure path that is unique to the card game instead of following published adventure paths? Well, in some sense, the question is, are we going to do unique adventure paths as opposed to uh, doing following the adventure paths of the RPG? Following the adventure paths of the RPG has a massive positive. Um, we already know which stories are great, and they're already fully illustrated. So, super great. We love all that. Um, but our organized play adventure mm-hmm. paths have been brand new stories for a while now. We, we, uh, the last one that sort of uh, interwove, I guess is the best way to phrase it, was Wrath of the Righteous. Pretty much everything else has been a brand new path. Um, I particularly enjoyed. Uh, the time that we took all the comic books and said, let's make an adventure path out of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was super fun, right? Because, you know, it wasn't like... Again, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm trashing the RPG, but we didn't have to read 680 pages of anything. We just read super awesome comic book characters doing things. <laughs> like, that's fantastic, right? So, um, you know, the more we can do things like... Um, uh, the um, year of rotting ruin, uh, and get and and supplement that with really good art. Um, that's great, but I think it would be a it would be a strong challenge to generate the amount of art that we would need for a brand new uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne sized box because they they uh, Sarah and Sarah reillustrated everything for Dragon's Demand, and that was like twelve. Twelve. Pe- I mean, uh, in the storybook, uh, right? So that was like mm-hmm. twelve pieces. It's a big difference when we go to a forty-eight page and we need like thirty plus pieces mm-hmm. and more, maybe for all the characters and stuff like that. So I don't know that that's a realistic thing for a while. Um, you know, I've been watching the uh, evolution of Starfinder as it starts to get 
all the art that it's getting and it's starting to build itself a real library and knowing that uh, that that's a thing that is hard to do right because I walked into Pathfinder as it had already built its library I don't think it's something that we'll want to struggle with on our own for a while I think mm-hmm. plus we've got so many great stories to tell there's adventure paths yeah, there's, there's a do. lot of adventure paths that to do so. yeah there's a lot that I really want to do that we just can't get to yeah. So going off the theme of adventure paths that you want to do, and you mentioned a few before, um, has Starfinder ever been on? Uh, sorry, um, uh, Shattered Star. Star. Shattered Star. Shattered Star. Shattered Star. Yeah. No, it comes up all the time. Um, Corset Cor- allows that possibility because um, before, I don't mean to say anything bad about Shattered Star. I love it, but it really does go over a lot of the same tropes of uh, Rise of the Rune Lords. So. What we would be doing would be repeating a lot of the cards that would be in Rise of Rumors if we had to do it in the big box, right? Um, whereas now, we just have to do the special ones. And so, yeah, it's totally on the table again. Any other questions? Yes, sir. I, I realize this is talking about the thing that you're taking a risk and not doing, but um, this is something I mentioned on the forums and had someone else talk to me about during this convention. The idea of creating a deck to add to core or something for the purposes either of adding a little bit more flavor to an adventure path or to help people build their own that is not just the boons you need to play these characters but things like monsters and barriers that would add a theme so if you wanted to add this plus vampires you could throw a vampire yeah actually so uh, Darren asked about like in case you couldn't hear it those of you who are listening online um can we make now boxes that are just like toolkits, right? It's like, okay, here's the... Inst- if, if for some reason we didn't want to do Carrion Crown, I'm not saying we don't, I like Carrion Crown just fine, but if we decided we didn't want to make that as an adventure path, could we make an undead toolkit that allowed you to run Carrion Crown with some of the fun stuff from Carrion Crown? You know, that's a that's a type we can or now... Or run Curse of the Crimson Throne with a lot more undead. Yeah, yeah. Curse, Curse would be awfully hard, but Carrion, the reason I use... Carrying Crown as an example is because we have a vampire, we have a wraith, we have you know we have mm-hmm. all the basics now that we can just say this is that vampire, this is that, ra-. and so if we expanded that list uh, to make an undead set, it would totally fly in a way that we couldn't do in the path. Um, I certainly want to think about that. I I, uh, I very much like the idea of in this set we lean super hard into giving people the tools to make whatever adventures they wanted. Very similar to the uh, Pathfinder 2's approach. Um, and so I, I hope we can down the road. It's certainly something we've talked about. As a new course that's coming out, what are you maybe hoping to see from the community reaction? What are we hoping to see from the community reaction? We hope you like it. Well, that's mm-hmm. certainly and true. And also that you buy a lot of it. <laughs> uh, the whole of those two, th- those two things are true. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I think our, I think we're going to find out whether people want to keep making um, all these great homebrew stuff that they've been making uh, for the first version. I hope they'll be willing to make. For the new stuff as well, I think that'll be like I'm really looking forward to. We've had a series called Homebrew Special on the blog, uh, and we put up some great ones. Um, uh, Darren, Darren's uh, one about his magic cubes, and 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 they've all been great. Uh, 
And we haven't had one for a while because people have been waiting for what's new, right? They've been like, okay, I don't want to make my thing for this if it's going away. And we've said, it's not going away. You can still, you know, do that. But now that it's in people's hands, I hope people will uh, make things that lean heavily toward the, the new things that the corset does. I, I have one more question I'd add to that. So now that there are five or six, depending on how you want to count them, adventure paths out, and uh, a lot of characters available. Um, depending on how you count them, it's solidly three digits. Uh, I'm curious if people, how much people want to go back and play through, you know, Skull and Shackles and Mummy's Mask with Thumbus and mm-hmm. the new Lamb, versus how much they're like, oh, I like, I got the character I like, I want to play new stories. I just don't know the answer to that right. question. We're gonna find out. So we're gonna find yeah, out. Let us know. The the thing I hope we eventually do, although Lord knows when we're gonna have time for it. Is uh, and I don't even know if it's a profitable thing, but the one I really want to do at some point is to write the storybook for the first four adventure paths. I mean, I would just love to do that. I don't know when and how it would happen, but the just that's those stories we pick those stories because they're great. And so, if at some point we can find the time to do it, it would be super great if you could play Rise of the Rune Lords with a storybook for Rise of the Rune Lords. We're just about at time here, so one more question. Uh, future of digital for this game because I can't even the new core I can't play on the bus. So um, I don't have anything from Obsidian to say. Good. I can probably answer it more than anybody. Maybe. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I mean, so Obsidian is the one the company that originally did the uh, first one. Um, they uh, recently got bought by Microsoft, and uh, like right around January of this year, and so. They're being, they got subsumed into Microsoft, and they're not interested now in, in making more stuff. They're going to be working on whatever Microsoft wants them to work on. So, uh, so we're in a bit of an impasse, but there's lots of companies that come to me all the time, you know, digital game companies that are interested in doing things, and so we have to go through our process of vetting and make sure that we get good stuff and things like that, but it does pop up. There's nothing to announce at this stage yet, but I, I, I can tell you I play a lot of the digital version too, and it's the same thing. I like It's something I can do without getting my whole group together on Tuesday nights and playing. And so I would love to see more. And so I will, as CEO of the company, I'll be pushing as hard as I can to see if we can get some more of that done, but there's nothing to do. Oh, one. The other option we have that's digital like is mm-hmm. the online community, which yeah. mm-hmm. has the ACG platform now. So organized play, you'll run games with you in your home, with your box, your corset, someone else in their home with their corset, and we've got a way of putting the cards up for everyone so that you can play with people virtually. It, so, it sounds a little... Bus, but it's a home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's yeah. yeah. It, it sounds a little wacky, but it is how we do a lot of playtesting, mm-hmm. so we've, we've had a lot of time to beat on it. Yeah. So The, mm-hmm. the play they post is, is really quite good, and it's come a long ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably played over 100 scenarios that way and it, it is very solid and very easy to play. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the digital uh, RPG digital tabletops might do something at some point mm-hmm. too. Because yeah. that would be another great way you could do it if you could have yeah. like a digital version of the yeah, game. This, um, uh, there, there is one of them that, that already does it but I'm not sure how well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, do you think yeah. we're wrapping this up? Yep, we're thank just a little bit over time so thank, thank you everyone for coming.